Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word of the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast. It is July the 25th, 2023, Tuesday. It's uh, Christmas in July. <laughs> July 25th. Oh, was it five months? Five months till Christmas. That's funny because uh, early part of the month, man, every Hallmark Channel, Lifetime, they were all playing Christmas shows. I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't, uh, couldn't watch it. It's like, I get it. I mean, the novelty of it, Christmas in July, but it's like, it's 98 degrees outside. I'm not thinking about Christmas. I'm thinking about floating on a raft or boating or hanging out at the beach or getting in the water swimming. Anyway, well, hope you guys are having a great day today. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, as we uh, work our way through the book of uh, this letter to the Corinthians and also a larger journey through the New Testament. So, um, yeah, let's dive in. Let's see what the word of the Lord has to say to us today. You know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. 1 Corinthians Chapter 14, this is a continuation of the conversation uh, on uh, order and uh, decency in worship and just uh, just rules for conduct. Yeah. Not only uh, outward, you know, in this these last few chapters, not only about what's being done outwardly, but the spirit of it, the heart uh, in the church, that there should be a Love, right? Yesterday we talked about love, 1 Corinthians 13. Shouldn't be about selfishness or pride or boasting. It should be out of a spirit of love. So uh, 1 Corinthians 14, this is a conversation on tongues. So we'll talk some about that. Let's just see what it has to say. A little bit longer chapter today, uh, 40 uh, verses or so. And so let's, let's see. Let's jump. Let's go follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Okay, so um, that's pretty clear. Desire gifts of the Spirit. Now, sometimes people have been kind of wrongly have said, you, you know, don't, you shouldn't desire gifts. Just take what you, you know. That's not really what the Word of God says. The Word says desire gifts. Um, doesn't mean you're going to get the gift, the certain gift. You know, like desire, if you want, if you have a desire to, to prophesy, to be able to speak the word of the Lord, to be able to discern things, to be able to hear a word from the Lord and deliver it and um, speak forth the truth of God. If you have a desire to have a inner a heart of intercession, and if you have a if you have a desire to have the gift of faith or the gift of generosity, or even the gift of leadership, there's nothing wrong with praying for that. In fact, there's it's nothing wrong with eagerly desiring. You can desire them. You know, don't don't let don't let those desires for gifts 
slip into carnalness, you know, where it's manipulation or manipulative or faking it or, you know, envious if you don't or whatever. But there's nothing wrong with desiring gifts. Yeah. So Paul says that right there. Verse 2, for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Okay, so here he's talking about glossolalia, the uh, spirit-endued ability to um, speak in an unknown tongue. And he's saying prophecy is, is, he's been a lot of talk about this previously, right? Prophecy speaks to people <laughs> in an understandable and intelligible language. Um, tongues does not. It's a it's a it's a language between um, the uh, the person, the believer, and God. Indeed, no one understands them; they are utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, so encouraging, and comfort. So people can hear it, they can understand it, they can be uh, encouraged by the word. You know, if you God gives you a word for someone, or you're um, a word of encouragement, word of edification, word of hope for someone, um, or someone is prophesying, um, speaking, speaking, uh, you know, proclaiming the word of God, um, then it provides edification for the entire community. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So, um, praying in tongues is a it it um, it edifies the believer. It's an exercise of a gift that that believer has been given, and so as one <clears throat> speaks in tongues, it's a it edifies him or herself. When you're prophesying, it's uh, edifies others. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues. I mean, that's pretty bold. Sometimes people like freak out, like about you know the gift of tongues. Um, but Paul didn't shy away from it. And people that think that they're you know there there's no longer the gift of tongues in the church is like I don't really know how where they get that or how they I do know how they get that, but it makes to me it makes no sense because they think it was one of the um, the extraordinary gifts that occurred in the first century church, but those things have ceased, and they were only for a particular time and place. Uh, they have succeed. They have. Uh, there's been a succession that's ended. It's seceded. No, I, I disagree with that. Um, the one who prophesies, uh, anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but the one who proph- prophesies edifies. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues but I would rather have you prophesy. So I would love everyone of you to speak in tongues, but even more than tongues, I would, I would like for you to speak a word that is understandable to the entire congregation, the entire believing community, in the, and to the unbelievers. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So here he's talking, obviously, about corporate worship. And in the corporate worship context, prophecy is obviously better. And he'll go on and talk more about that. But um, 
He says, I, there's, I don't mind, I, I'm all for everyone having the gift of tongues, as many as possible, as the Lord sees fit. I, and, but even more than that, I, I would pray that they would prophesy, because prophesy has an edification component for the entire church, not just the individual. Unless there's someone who, who is there to interpret the, the, uh, the glossolalia, the unknown language. Or someone, someone else. It could be the same person. It could be the same person who speaks. It could also interpret it. Um, but there has to, but to be, there must be an interpretation, a, a word of an edification, a word that is understandable. Um, verse six. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, <clears throat> what good will I be of to you unless I bring to you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? So if I come to you and say, hey, I, I come to you. I have a word from the Lord, and I speak in tongues. And you're like, uh, oh, okay, um, great. <laughs> but there's no interpretation. Um, he's saying, unless I come to you with some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction, something tangible you can hear from the Lord. Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or the harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, how who will get ready for battle? So here he's, you know, in the uh, the Corinthians were mimicking the pagan worship of their culture, where people would just come in and just these frenzies, basically uh, worship frenzy. They're speaking in tongues, and there's all this you know, chattering going on, un unintelligible, you can't understand it, and it looked just like the what was happening in the pagan temples. And, and Paul's like, how can we rally around what God is doing when it's just chaos? Like, there's just people making a bunch of noise, and you're like, what, what are we supposed to be doing? Like, what is God saying through all of this? Um, and he's not specifically talking here about a like a prayer service, right? Because that's different. That's a different focus. But then corporate worship, where there is a where you're hearing from God and you're responding to the Word of God, um, it, there, there's it's the same. They're going. It's just chaos. It's just a bunch of people speaking in an un, unknown language, and it just sounds like gibberish. And how can we respond and move forward when we there's no there's no call. There's no there's nothing that's intelligible for us to understand and to act on. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. There's a lot of known languages, and they have meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So, um. Well, let's just continue, verse 12. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. So he's saying, he's giving an example here. If, I go to, if, I, if I'm an English-speaking person, I go to a country where the, the uh, predominant language is not my language, okay, say French, and I, I'm a foreigner to them. And they are a foreigner to me. They understand what they're saying, but I do not understand what they're saying. And so there's, so we are, we are, there's a, there's a, there's a gap between us. There's a distance between us because I can't understand what they're saying. And he's saying that's the same thing that's happening in in your worship services. 
you're all coming together, you're speaking in tongues. There's no singular message. It's just it's just perceived chaos. When a stranger comes in, they can't participate in it because it's foreign to them. There's nothing that is being spoken that would include them. So Paul's saying, look, so since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel at those that build up the church, that build up everyone. Verse 13, for this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should not pray that, or they should pray that they may interpret what they say. So if you're going to speak in tongues in a public public gathering, Paul's saying, um, pray that you can interpret what you just said, what you've just prayed in tongues. For I pray in a tongue, my for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Glossolalia, that's what for it's a prayer tongue, right? You, you, you don't really even the even the one speaking in, in tongues, praying in tongues, doesn't know what they're really saying. It's a it's a it's a prayer in a sense of prayer language, right? My mind is unfruitful. In other words, I don't, I don't really even know what I'm saying. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. So I will pray in tongues and also pray in, you know, in English if you're English speaking. <laughs> so that you can understand what you're saying. Um, I will sing with my spirit, but I also sing with my understanding. So that's interesting. Singing in the spirit, right? Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say amen to your thanksgiving since they do not know what you're saying? You are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. So how can someone, you know, participate and thank God for what you're receiving or for what you're saving, saying or the blessing that you're receiving? How can we participate in, in uh, that joy when we, we can't really understand what you're saying? <laughs> I mean, it's honest, right? I mean, it seems so, like, clearly, clear, it's crystal clear, but sometimes people get so self-consumed with the expression of their own spiritual gifts they don't care about how it's impacting other people. And Paul is really um, highlighting that that's a bad attitude, that there, there's a better way to operate in the gifts. Uh, and it should always be with the, with the understanding of other people as well. It can't just be all about you. Yes, certain gifts are for your own edification, and there's nothing wrong with being built up personally. That is, that is a value. However, in a corporate gathering, you are not the only one to be concerned about. <laughs> the world doesn't the world doesn't rotate around you, <laughs> and it certainly in this in the kingdom of God and in the worship of the saints, uh, around the throne of God, it's not all about you. It's about worshiping God, and it's also about the experience of other people as well. Because people say, "Well, yeah, I just, I'm sorry, I just can't quench the spirit." Well, yeah, you can. You're not quenching the spirit. Actually, you're calling. It's called self control. Well, when the Spirit overcomes me, that's it. I just got to do what I got to do. Well, no, you, no you, the Holy Spirit is never going to overrun your self-control. That's not true. And so you, you have self-control, and um, also you have selflessness. You have kindness. Um, that are, those are also fruit, uh, fruit of the Spirit. The same Spirit that gives gifts also gives the fruit of the Spirit. And so... Those things like love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, uh, faithfulness, those never go away. It's not like, you know, well, I'm operating in the gifts right now. I don't have any fruit of the Spirit. 
I'm sorry. I'm operating under the gifts. So the fruit of the spirit, they're just, they're gone. No, 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 no. That's, that's a carnal way of thinking. And that is not consistent with the word of God. It's the same spirit. The spirit of God that inspires all of the gifts that gives all of the gifts is the same spirit that shows us how those gifts should be operating. So what's the house? What's the relationship between the gifts and the fruit of the spirit? The gifts are gifts. They are, they are how the grace of God can be extended through a person to others. Fruit of the spirit is how that should happen. The manner in which the character fruit of the spirit reflects the character of Jesus. So if I operate with the gift of prophecy, it's always it's, if I'm truly operating in the gift of prophecy in its pure, purest form, it's going to have the characteristics of the fruit of the spirit, which is the character of Jesus. I'm not going to operate a spiritual gift that is not consistent with the character of Jesus, which again is the fruit of the spirit. So I'm going to act in faith. I'm going to prophesy, I'm going to lead, I'm going to teach in the character of Jesus with love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Man, you've been around church for a while, you know, people, they're just just quenching the spirit. I I can't, if the spirit if I'm inspired by the spirit, then I'm just inspired by the spirit, I got to do it. Well, no, you don't. No, you don't. That's selfishness. That's carnal nature. You will, you can always control yourself for the edification of the body and the concern of others. You always can. Um, I thank God, um, verse 18, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than all of you, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues. Yeah, that's pretty clear. Collective gathering of believers in a worship setting. Paul says, I would much rather speak in words people can understand than in a bunch of uh, unknown languages. Now, by myself in my prayer, uh, at a prayer meeting or in my prayer closet, I- I'm all about speaking in the tongues of men, uh, of men and of angels. But in a corporate gathering, especially in the presence of unbelievers, we need to be speaking in, in a known conversational language <laughs> people that's something that people can understand brothers and sisters stop thinking like little children in regard to eat to uh in regard to evil be infants but in thinking but in your thinking be adults well, he's saying you don't need to go indulge in all the sinful stuff so you can be mature and understand what's going on like i need to <laughs> i need to go indulge in some of that sin so that I'm mature and understand what it's all about. No, no, no. You can be in, you can be immature about some things. You know? Come on, church. It's okay to be immature about some things when it comes to the world. You ain't got to know everything about every little type of sin and, and, and craziness in the world. You can be, you know what? It's okay to be naive. Praise God. Praise God for people who are naive about the sins of the world. And same thing with our kids. It's okay to protect your kids from the sinfulness of the world. It's okay for them to be a little naive. Paul's like, it's okay to be an infant, but when it comes to spiritual things, be an adult. In the law it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners I will speak to the people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, 
but for believers. So prophecy is, um, yeah, so tongues is a sign. It's a sign. Like, whoa, what's going on with there? Something else, something unique is going on there. Um, and prophecy um, is edification for believers. So the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquires or unbelievers come in, they will not say, will they not say that you are out of your mind? So, um, so if an unbeliever comes into a, a place and they're all, everybody just chaos going on, right? Um, it sounds a little different. It's interesting because that previous verse almost says, let me read that again. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for believer or not is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquire and, and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? So unbelievers are going to be put off by a congregation filled of people speaking in tongues. There can, uh, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Because they'll understand it. They'll hear the word, they'll understand the word, and they can respond to it. Again, all of this is about just order in worship. Order in worship. Concern about unbelievers being in the assembly. Concern for other people, your brothers and sisters who are in worship with you. And just the overall look that it is for God. Like, what are you presenting to God? So it, there's order. It's all about order. Verse 26. What, the, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an, an interpretation. So you all have something you want to share. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So you got you to you think about the church, that the church might be built up. Don't be... Um, you know, sister, someone says, I got a special I want to sing. No, you don't need to be singing no special. No, I, they, everybody, time I, every time I sing this special, the word, the, the Holy Spirit comes in. So I need to sing this, but Lord, Lord, lay this special on my heart. If you don't know what that means, that's a special song back in the day. Everybody, you know, I have a special. That means it's just like, that's church talk. Nobody knows what a special is outside of, like, outside of church, but I got a special. And there's always someone who loves, thinks they are really good at singing a special. And it's not really that good. I'm beyond, you know, it's like, ooh. Hmm. But they always cry like halfway through because they, you know, special touches their heart. But everybody else just praying that it, they just get on through with it. <laughs> oh, man. If you've been around small churches, you've been through that experience more than once. Like, oh, Lord. Brother Jim going to sing that special. Oh, Lord. Help us. But Brother Jim, he get he all moved every time he sings it. And everybody else just all nervous, waiting for it to be over. But anyway, Paul's saying everybody's coming together, they got something they want to share. Uh, he says, remember, you're trying to build up the church. If anyone, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two, or at the most three should speak. One at a time, and someone must interpret. So everybody's got to, you know, so it's like people are coming together, they're all trying to speak in tongues. Say, so look, no, first of all, unless there's an interpreter, be quiet. If you have an interpreter, no more than three, maximum three, or it gets out of hand. If there is un, an, uh, if there is, ha, is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. 
Two or three prophets should speak, and the other should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. So don't be competing with each other. Like one at a time, some orderliness. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. So, you know, again, it's, you, you're still, you're still uh, accountable to one another. You can, oh, I'm inspired by the Spirit. I can't, I don't care what, I don't even care if bro, brother so-and-so talking. When the Spirit hits me, I'm just going to jump up and start. No, 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 no. You got to respect the prophets. Just like when someone, you know, someone feels like they have a word for the, uh, you know, a word of affirmation or a word of edification for the church, they should, they should, they should request permission to share that from the pastor. The prophets, another spiritual leader. Would it be okay if I share this, or could you share this for me? That's that's respect. Um, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. That's a great verse to underline right there. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Women should remain silent in the churches, they are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. Um, wow, didn't see that one coming, did you? <laughs> Again, there's a great, there's a lot of context here about um, the pagan um, temples, uh, the pagan temple in Corinth, and um, it was confusing. And so, clearly, Paul allowed women to speak in other congregations. He allowed them to prophesy. He called them prophets and prophetesses and apostles. Um, but obviously, there's something in Corinth where it's confusing. So, um, so instead, so instead of being confused as one of the pagan prophetesses, just ladies, just don't be quiet. Don't don't um, prophesy outwardly in the church like that because it looks just like. Um, the pagan prophetesses in the temple next door. And it's confusing to other believers. They're going to think we're just like everybody else. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask of their husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or, or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they will themselves be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be, e be eager to prophesy <clears throat> and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Don't forbid it. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Hmm. I, think, um, I think it is clear that... Um, this group of women in particular, Paul has a particular group of women in mind, in my opinion, um, that there is a group of women in Corinth that are causing chaos. And um, this is not a, to me, it is not a general statement about all females anywhere, but he's speaking about the women and everyone knows who the women are. <laughs> you know, every, you know, there's a group of people like, uh, you know, that group of ladies, they need to settle down. You know those, those group of guys over there? They need to chill out. Everybody knows who they're talking about. It's not all guys. It's not all, but it's, there's, a, there's some women in the church that are causing chaos. They need to be quiet in the church. And if they have any questions or they have any objections, 
they should they should have that conversation outside the worship setting at home. And I think that's what Paul is saying. It's not a it's not a unilateral forbidding of women to speak in church because it's not consistent with what he taught in other places. So, anyway, all right, you guys. Well, we went a little long today. It's a long chapter, a lot to think about, a lot to talk about. Hey, but let's wrap it up. Thank you so much for being a part of it today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the, that you are a God of order and a God of uh, peace and a, a God of decency. So, Lord, I just pray that um, we would eagerly desire the gifts. We would seek the gifts. Um, and whatever the, desire, the gifts you have placed on our hearts, Lord, we would desire them and seek them. Um, and we would accept whether we get this gift or that gift, and we would accept the gifts that you've given us. And we would use them all for your glory. We'd all use them all and always consistent with the character of Jesus, the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I pray your blessing upon uh, your people today. May you encourage them and strengthen them, pour out your blessings upon them. Thank you, God, for this opportunity that we've had to read your word, study your word, and just process these uh, important uh, teachings. We ask your blessing to be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much for taking time to be on the podcast today. It's been a long one, a little bit longer one today. I've been trying to sh make short on them, but this one went a little bit long. So I uh, hope it was helpful to you. A lot to think about, a lot of stuff for further study for sure. Thank you for spending time uh, in the Word of God today. Have a great day. Thank you for liking, subscribing, sharing this podcast. Always appreciate that. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll be back at it tomorrow with 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.